This GCN program brought to you by Frederick Remington. Fully cooked bacon, the thickest, meatiest, center-cut bacon in the industry. Available at fullycookedbacon.com. That's fullycookedbacon.com. gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, sometime back, we kind of said we're not going to talk about Roswell much or at all in the Paracast. And that was after we had Kevin Randall talking about his book, Roswell in the 21st Century, where he kind of recanted certainties about Roswell such as whether alien bodies were seen in connection with the crashed object and also whether it was a spaceship. So his contention that something happened, but we may never find out what. And then we go back to our old friend Nick Redfern. Now, Nick has written 40 books, and that's just since last week. And back in 2005, he wrote a book called Body Snatchers in the Desert, a totally different picture of Roswell. And at the time, a lot of it was dismissed. Now, since then, he's taken all the evidence he didn't put in that book and additional evidence, and he's assembled a new book that we're going to talk about in our next segment called The Roswell UFO Conspiracy, Exposing a Shocking and Sinister Secret. Sinister? We're going to find out what Nick Redfern has to say. In the meantime, neighbors, if you subscribe to the PowerCast Plus, we have something real special for you this week. There is a retired college professor and accountant by the name of Monty Shriver, a guy who grew up in Aztec, New Mexico. And he's an older guy, fellow in his 80s, but he is bright. He has a great memory of what happened. And let's just paint this picture here. So... In 1948, he's like 13, 14 years old. He lived in Aztec then, went to high school in Aztec, lived his life for the next 52 years, and never heard anything about a UFO crash at Hart Canyon in Aztec, New Mexico. And then he visits his mom in 2000, and he hears about this Aztec UFO symposium. And what's this about? So he and his wife spent a year doing research. And most of you have probably heard at least the basics of this. He did do an article, a long article, for Kevin Randall's Different Perspective blog. But the key is that he checked the three books published about Aztec, Behind the Flying Saucers from Frank Scully, the book from William Steinman and Wendell Stevens back in 1986, and the book from Scott and Suzanne Ramsey, And he couldn't verify the witnesses. He went back to his class reunion, Monty Shriver did, and nobody, the people he went to school with in Aztec, New Mexico, nobody remembered a flying saucer crash. Is that the end of it, Chris? Well, I've always been kind of doubtful, (laughs) to put it mildly, um, about any sort of crash at Aztec. And I think that this, this does... It puts a big spike in the uh, in the coffin. I I don't think it's the final um, nail, but I do think it, it pretty much does close the door on it. At least in my mind, it does. 
Well, of course, we know that our friend Paul Kimball has referred to the Aztec case as ufology's Dracula. You know, and I think of the scene from one of the old Dracula movies where John Carradine played Dracula and he has a stake in his heart. And as soon as the mad scientist pulls the stake out, he comes back to life. I think that's what he means about it being ufology's Dracula. I just wonder, though, why it appears that Stanton Friedman still believes in Aztec. I'm kind of concerned about that. Yeah. That's, that's about a concern I have about Stan. I like him. I've known the guy for several decades. But I don't know that he's ever actually recanted anything. Do you? No, once he's, uh, once he's taken a position, he's, he's like a moray eel or a pit bull. He does not let go. Well, I like that metaphor there. Well, you know, it's good to be dedicated to whatever you're researching. But it's certainly good also to take all these cases that aren't passing muster and set them aside. And certainly I think it's long past its usefulness for research, Aztec. It's got to go away. Now, Roswell is another thing. Something happened there. People remember something happening there. Okay? There is a memory of what happened. There was obviously a newspaper story about a flying disc, and then later it's just a balloon. With Aztec, in 1948, in a town of 800 people, there was a weekly newspaper. And you know in a town that size, nobody can breathe too hard without people knowing about it. And nobody knew about this. Obviously, in Roswell, there were tons of stories. And that's almost the problem, too. There were so many stories to sort out that I don't know. It was very, very difficult. Then, of course, the other thing we haven't really gone into too much. A couple of years back, we had James Carrion, the author of a book called The Rosetta Deception about the ghost rockets in World War II. At the time, he said he was working on a book called The Roswell Deception. And I suppose he meant that the Roswell was a cover. The Roswell flying disc episode was a cover for some sort of intelligence thing that happened at that time. But unfortunately, I haven't heard from him since. He was booked to be on the Paracast, by the way, carry on, and never responded after saying, I have a family issue, can't show up. Have you seen any stuff from him on Facebook at all? He seems to have vanished. No, I haven't. Um, also, Albert uh, Rosales is another one, too, that um, <laughs> kind of ducked this. Right. I've been in touch with Rosales a few times and said, come on to Paracast. Let's catch up. He says, yeah, I'll do it. And I'll do it in August. He said, I'll do it in September. In September, he doesn't respond. And you wonder about people like that. Now, again, I don't know about carry-on. Maybe there is a family issue that's serious, and I don't want to make any prejudgments there. So I just hope we do hear from him. Because Roswell is not, to me, at all of interest as a UFO case. I don't think of it as a UFO case anymore. I was skeptical over the years. But I think if there's any intelligence aspect there and a better way to understand what our military and what our government was up to after World War II, and if there's a key to that in Roswell, it would be nice to know. I also wonder what degree the UFO mystery is influenced by that think about how many cases that we heard about 
may have been the result of test aircraft, disinformation. I'm not saying people don't see UFOs. But certainly at that time, a lot of things were going on. Did you ever think, for example, Chris, if we didn't have a Kenneth Arnold sighting, where the UFO mystery would be now, if at all? Well, I think there was enough going on there that uh, that end of June, beginning of July, where um, there were quite a number of sightings up and down the West Coast. And and I think that um, that we would have had a – we still would have had a mystery on our hands that would have you know made the public – Awareness, but I don't think it would have been uh, as dramatic um, as as it was with the uh, the advent of the uh, Mount Rainier um, Crescent sighting by by Arnold. But um, I, I definitely think there would still be there would still be a public face to the mystery, but it would be it probably would have unfolded a little differently. We wouldn't call them flying saucers, would we? Mm, probably not, because that was good and bad. It was good because it gave something for the public to seize on. Ah, disc in the sky, spaceships, whatever. But if we didn't call them flying saucers, then would have gained the public's attention. Who knows? And remember, what hangs the case with Kenneth Arnold as an unknown is the alleged speed of the craft, 1,200 miles an hour. If it was a lot left, it could have been a test aircraft of some sort. Who knows? In any case, a lot of excitement coming up next, and I'll ask him about Aztec just in passing. I can't wait to get a copy of the new book. Uh, mine hasn't arrived yet, so I'm, I'm going to be going into this blind, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I got mine yesterday. Maybe the post office doesn't like you out there, you know, out there in the wilderness, but we'll cover a lot of things. It's going to be fascinating. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag... All sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality. Great t-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children. Stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com. Stop by and take a shopping tour. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. 
Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more. And this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper, article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Are you looking to become more self-sufficient? Then you need to have your own energy source. The Solark EMP Hardened Generator is automatic, maintenance-free, and reduces your monthly electric bill. You can also take it off-grid when you go camping. Contact PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875 today. Portable Solar LLC gives you everything you need to start using solar energy in less than one hour. Solark EMP Hardened Solar Generator Energy Insurance. For your family or business, call Portable Solar LLC today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Well, let's just put it this way. The last two times that Nick Redfern was on the Paracast, Chris couldn't make it for different reasons. Maybe one of that was his illness and everything. But finally, Chris had to do all sorts of different things to get back to his home office in time to be here for Nick. You should be honored. Okay, well, there we go. You see, he had nothing to say. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking to the audience. <laughs> no, it's cool that he's back on the show again. Yeah, it's because uh, yeah, you're like a double act, you know what I mean? It's, you know, it's like in the old days of Martin and Lewis. It didn't make it until, yeah. until like both were there. Costello, you know I mean? Well, I'll tell you what really failed was Abbott and Costello. Abbott and Costello were nothing when they broke up. They had no careers or anything. Just totally lost everything. But anyway, we're not Abbott and Costello. But seriously speaking here, before we go on with your book of some years back, I think 2005, was it Body Snatchers in the Desert? I want to ask you quickly here in light of a special interview we did with After the Paracast. You're familiar with a guy named Monty Shriver? 
Monty Shriver. No. Okay. He is a retired college professor who lived in Aztec, New Mexico uh-huh. in 1948. And he researched that case because he didn't know anything about it. He didn't learn about the case to 2000. And he grew up there. And he basically determined that all the evidence for Aztec could not be verified. Shock, horror, I would never have guessed. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. (laughs) He says with tongue firmly planted in cheek. (laughs) But it was fun. You should listen to it. I'll get you the link. In any case, body snatchers in the desert, I think, caught... A lot of people in the UFO field flat-footed because it had been the contention of so many people that the Roswell crash involved a spaceship, that there were bodies of aliens seen in connection with the case and everything else. Body snatchers in the desert took them in a fascinating direction. Could you give us a brief overview? Well, yeah, the book came out 12 years ago, and um, it was one that is sort of very controversial. And the reason why it was so controversial is because ufology has sort of elevated Roswell to sort of almost um, supernatural holy levels, you know. It's like the the case not to be messed with. It's the one that could make or break ufology. And so when you question it, that's why there was so much controversy, not just about the you know, the theme of the story, which is because you dare into question Roswell. But the the theme of the book was um, an explanation for Roswell, which didn't have a mundane explanation, but had a, a theory at its heart, which arguably would have been as justifiable in terms of hiding the truth as it would be if, if, if it was a UFO that came down. And it basically revolved around... Um, immediate post-war activity, Second World War activity, when you had, like, for example, the German paperclip scientists coming over to New Mexico, interestingly enough, and, you know, continuing their rocketry work there and high-altitude experiments, but also bringing over uh, what we call sort of a, a even more clandestine Japanese equivalents of, um, of paperclip. And the Japanese were sort of, were, at the end of the Second World War, they were working on massive uh, balloons, man balloons that had the war not ended. They were planning on using to attack the United States. And a lot of these plans for these massive balloons, which would have sort of gliders attached to them, sort of kamikaze type thing, um, were all brought over as well. And so you have this situation where you have German scientists, Japanese scientists working in New Mexico. And in some of these experiments, which were reportedly early high-altitude exposure experiments, the line was crossed where in some of these large balloon arrays, which didn't have um, didn't have pilots as such, but they were sort of guinea pig, human guinea pig um, crews, if that's, if that's even the right term, but people just placed on board to see what the effects would be. And reportedly they got... Um, some of them were Japanese people, others were handicapped people, people taken from asylums and hospitals and used in what in simple terms would be early human experimentation, not unlike the radiation experiments that the Clinton administration investigated and tried to get to the bottom of in the early 1990s. 
Um, so very kind of a similar parallel sort of, you know, uh, abuses of power and, um, and abuses of people in these, in these sort of dark and disturbing experiments. And that reportedly a number of these sort of devices, these craft crashed in New Mexico, one of them on the Foster Ranch in Lincoln County, which became known as the Roswell Incident, and that the bodies that were found were not extraterrestrial, but a variety, in some cases, in these crashes around New Mexico, or in New Mexico, in 47, various ones, that some of them, as I said, had these handicapped people on board, others had Japanese personnel piloting these things. So it was, a, it was like a, a wide array of various experiments, but all under one banner, one program. And I interviewed um, five or six old-timers for the book um, who basically told the story as they recalled it and as they were told. Um, and I then sort of added to that with background information on the various, you know, what we know for sure in terms of Japanese balloons and paperclip and that kind of thing. So, you know, that's basically the, the thrust of it. And the new book, The Roswell UFO Conspiracy, essentially is, um, brings the book up to date. It's sort of the material that's come through in the last... 12 years since Body Snatchers was published. Now, what's interesting has happened in the last years. As you know, Kevin Randall came out with a book last year, Roswell in the 21st Century. And the notable thing about it is recanting some of the beliefs about Roswell. He's no longer certain it was a spaceship. And the reports of alien bodies could not be verified. There are two aspects of that book. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I really enjoyed Kevin's book, and um, and I'm not just saying that. I actually do think that of all the people who are, I know Kevin isn't completely pro alien with the case anymore, but he's, you know, I think he's still extremely open to it. Of all the pro Roswell researchers, I think Kevin is the most sort of rational, down to earth, an objective one of them in that in that side of you know the camp when it comes to Roswell, and. I think, you know, when you when you read his book and you realize that he has sort of dismissed or put to one side a lot of the body stories as it relates to aliens, you know, that demonstrates an important thing that even within the, what used to be, you know, the very pro-community, questions are now being asked as to whether or not aliens really did crash at Roswell. Even if they're not endorsing, you know, the data that I've got, they're still questioning the scenario that's actually been in place for decades, you know, since the late 70s. Well, the thing, of course, that always bothered me about Roswell is that the first recollections of the case after the initial newspaper story didn't occur till 30 years later. And we know how memories can change. And maybe they were naive about it then, but we certainly know now how that works. We have Nick Redfern with Gene and Chris. You're in... The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you know what's lurking in your water? More than 200 contaminants could be sitting there just waiting for your glass. 
with a ProPure water filter? Start enjoying clean and great tasting water today. ProPure filters, independently tested, latest water filter technology. ProPure systems do not require electricity and are easy to set up and easy to use. To find out more, visit your authorized ProPure dealer or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA Pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready-to-eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready-to-eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at FullyCookedBacon.com. FullyCookedBacon.com. Hey, diabetics. Yeah, you. Got a spare hour to waste going to the pharmacy to get your insulin or other meds and supplies every month? I didn't think so. Me either. I've got life going on, which is why I use PillPack. PillPack is an amazing online pharmacy. They package up all my diabetic meds and testing supplies into daily doses and send it to me every month automatically. All I do is pay my normal copay. PillPack does the rest. I'm serious. This is a free service. They don't even charge for shipping. PillPack handles all the medical insurance stuff and even get what my doctors for my other prescriptions so I don't have to, which is good because that's the stuff I forget. But PillPack remembers everything. They even package up my daily vitamins so I remember to take them too. If you're diabetic, your meds and supplies are life and death, which means you need PillPack. Call right now for this free service. You may even qualify for $25 in free vitamins. 800-560-7310. That's 800-560-7310. Again, 800-560-7310. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-765-9681 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-765-9681. Again, that's 800-765-9681. Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by, making minimum payments? You should know. The credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people, they're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a large portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-314-7417. 800-314-7417. That's 800-314-7417.
Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Nick is in rare form. Nick Redfern, author of the Roswell UFO Conspiracy, exposing a shocking and sinister secret. I remember years ago, I was publishing my magazine, Caveat Tour, and I had a letter from John Keel. And he suggested that Roswell was a Japanese Fugo balloon. That's, those are the explosive balloons that you yeah. were mentioning. Well, no. What happened was, in the, but you're right about what Keel said. And there's a chapter in the book all about Keel's theories. What happened was, in the, in the latter stages of the Second World War, the Japanese sent these balloons called Fugo balloons across the Pacific to the United States. And they were sort of calibrated where they would get lower and lower and the bombs would explode. And, you know, the Japanese hoped that people would be killed or major forest fires would be started. But fortunately, it didn't actually do much, too much damage. And it was more like a psychological weapon. You know, people feared these balloons being sent over. Now, what we know for sure is that in the final stages of the Second World War, before the atomic bombs were dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima, the Japanese were boasting that they were going to build these much bigger balloons, which would have gondolas attached to them, which could rise up to like 30,000 feet, be pressurized, and they would be sort of like kamikaze missions with bombs attached or detachable gliders which could sort of be released and then just hurtle straight into a city. It kind of almost eerily parallels, you know, what we're hearing with North Korea, that, we, you know, they can reach Seattle. It was kind of a similar thing where you're talking about, you know, the Japanese claiming they could reach the United States and, you know, destroy its vulnerability or invulnerability, I should say. So we had the this program which was going to build these massive balloon arrays for the Japanese personnel to go across the United States. Now, when the war ended, a lot of the blueprints for these really kind of really uh, advanced balloons were brought over to the United States, as I said, in a similar situation to Paperclip. The Japanese team that was brought over reportedly worked to build these huge balloon arrays and these detachable sort of lifting bodies. They worked on both of these programs because that's what they were working on in Japan. In other words, you have this situation where Kiel took the view that what came down were the original Fugo balloons. As I point out in the book, the far more likely scenario is that, yes, there's a Japanese angle, but what was being tested were not captured Fugo balloons, but work done on these next-generation massive balloon arrays that the Japanese were working on. So as I point out in the book, Kiel got the right country, but he got the wrong balloons. But considering when he did this, this was the 1980s when he was making the statement... So that was pretty radical then. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the interesting things about Keel in general, his views on ufology and how he recognized the links between sort of the paranormal and the occult and crossovers. He was talking about that in the 60s and people just ignoring him. You know, he did come up with the, uh, the Japanese angle in the late 80s and expanded on it in a couple of articles in Fate magazine in the early 1990s. And that's what really kind of started this issue of, you know, or maybe it was actually a huge balloon after all, which actually the wreckage, you know, when you look superficially, does sound like a huge amount of exploded balloon debris all across the ranch. 
again, you know, I think this is why it comes back to, was it a military experiment? In the military, you know, for their theories, the Air Force, although they didn't endorse the weather balloon theory in 94, they came up with the mogul balloon scenario. You know, they did say, well, we think it was a large balloon. Now, what's interesting is that one of the guys I interviewed, interviewed for Body Snatchers, so we're talking about interviews done about 16 years ago, one of them said to me, the best way to hide a classified balloon program is to hide it behind another highly classified balloon program. So, in other words, if it was some sort of huge balloon array with a detachable lifting body that came down on the ranch, well, the best way to hide that is to bring into the fold another classified balloon program that actually operated out of New Mexico as well, namely Project Mogul, which is the one the Air Force stands by right now. And what a lot of people don't know, and a lot of people in the Roswell community actually don't like talking about is that Mac Brazel, the rancher who found the wreckage, or the debris, however you want to term it, actually said during the course of the time that he worked there, on two previous occasions, military balloons had come down on the ranch. For them to be two previous ones, and then a third event occurs where somewhat balloon-like material is found, you know, you have to really wonder, you know, what are the chances of a UFO coming down and crashing, and the wreckage actually is balloon-like, you know. Well, also, you think of the convenience of this, too. As you say, using one balloon case to cover another balloon. And now, all the stories about a flying saucer, doesn't that also help preserve the cover-up? Well, it does. I mean, what it does, whatever the answer is, right now, we cannot prove any of the theories. I, I think it's the right answer, but I'll be honest enough to admit I can't prove it's the right answer. But what I think has happened is that if it was a dark and disturbing sort of human experimentation kind of event, what I think is that if you can hide part of the story behind like a mogul balloon or a weather balloon, then that's going to keep the regular media away because, you know, they'll cover it, which they did, but it's not a major story. It's just about how ufology got it wrong. For the UFO community, it makes a great deal of sense to actually promote the UFO angle on one hand subtly because that would keep ufology away from looking for any answer apart from the extraterrestrial one. In other words, the media is kept away from it with a down-to-earth explanation of a mogul balloon. The UFO community is kept away from it by spreading UFO stories so they then won't go after any other angle. And so, in other words, the human experimentation angle is hidden from everybody. And I think perhaps the military's biggest concern is that a major media outlet would pick up on that angle of sort of dark and disturbing human experiments and would legitimately think, well, you know, we could write about that because we're not going to look stupid because we're not a newspaper that's going to support the UFO angle. We're looking into something even more disturbing. So I think it, at all costs and at all, in all approaches and directions, there's been an attempt to stifle the truth with multiple scenarios of a far less inflammatory nature than than the real ones. Well, how do we resolve the missing, <laughs> the 22 months that it must have taken the balloon to get across the Pacific? Because it did, you know, we're talking about July 47, and we're, we're talking about, you know, the war ending August uh, 45. 
Well, yeah, that, that's why Keel's scenario didn't work, because he said it was one of the Fugo balloons, which were launched in, like, July and June of 45. And there's no way that would have remained not found on the ranch for two years. But the Japanese scenario is that the, the, in the same way that the German paperclip scientists were brought over in 45, the Japanese ones were. So, in other words, this massive Japanese balloon array wasn't flown until 47. Do you see what I mean? It wasn't like it was flown from Japan in '45. Well, so no, okay, the, so the U.S. Yeah, the, the U.S. actually flew it, is what you're what you're surmising. Yes, yes. In the same way that the paperclip scientists and the German V2 rockets were brought over, right. the Japanese scientists and their blueprints for these massive balloon arrays were brought over, and they worked on the programs in New Mexico in the same way that the German scientists worked on the V2 rocket. So, in other words, it wasn't actually flown until the night before it crashed down on the ranch. Now, one of the important things to, to kind of note in all this is that the reason why, supposedly, and this is the story that unanimously nearly all the sources I spoke to said. Okay, for now, that's a pretty good stopping point. There's a lot more about that particular situation for Nick Redfern to describe. We've got Nick Redfern. The book is The Roswell UFO Conspiracy Exposing a Shocking and Sinister Secret. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features and most important, It's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. Are you drowning in debt? Are you struggling to make minimum payments? If this sounds like you, know that it's not your fault. Credit card debt happens to good people. We've helped thousands of good people just like you become debt-free with our Debt Reset Program. Our Debt Reset Program is customized to get you debt-free in as little as 24 to 48 months with one low monthly payment. You don't pay a dime until we succeed. Call now to see how we can work for you. 800-912-6177. That's 800-912-6177. Again, 800-912-6177. This is Dan Pillett. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? 
I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Warning, if you've recently declared bankruptcy, you're going to want to cover your ears because there's an alternative to bankruptcy and it could be better than you'd ever think possible. But if you've already declared bankruptcy and have missed this opportunity, you'll want to cover your ears now. Here it is. Right now, the company that has resolved more credit card debt than anyone in the U.S. may be able to settle your debt too. You could resolve your debt with one low monthly program payment. If you call right now and qualify, Freedom Debt Relief will show you how low your monthly program payment could be for free. Call now, 1-800-660-1297. That's 1-800-660-1297. If you're struggling with debt, this could be your answer. And the bigger your debt, the more money you could save. To find out for free how much of your hard-earned money Freedom Debt Relief could help you save, call now, 1-800-660-1297. Fully cooked, ready to eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some. Awesome. No refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life. NASA pack technology. Bacon. Fully cooked, fully hydrated, ready to eat right from the pack bacon. Or warm and served. Life-saving, ready to eat bacon. 10-year shelf life bacon. Ships free at fullycookedbacon.com. Fullycookedbacon.com. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Okay, Nick's in the midst of a long answer, a long response to Chris's question about this Roswell episode and what really happened. Go ahead. Yeah, the important thing to note is that, you know, when the German scientists came over and with Operation Paperclip, the V-2 rockets and other technology, aviation technology brought over, although that was deeply buried and hidden, it wasn't as deeply buried and hidden as the Japanese program. And the reason being that most of the German scientists, although some of them were ardent Nazis, they were wanted because they were experts in aviation and rocketry. Now, a lot of the Japanese people who were brought over were actually linked to the notorious Unit 731, which, you know, performed just, you know, terrible experiments on people. And a lot of their experiments were done to understand how high altitude exposure and high pressures, low pressures could affect the human body. And there was a big determination at the end of the Second World War to grab the Unit 731 files and even some of the people working on the programs. And this was um, overseen by a high-ranking military officer, Charles Willoughby, um, who got the files over into the US. And so the Japanese angle was hidden because a lot of the people on those programs were or would have been, you know, nothing less than, you know, the, the worst kind of war criminals ever. Whereas, not to um, say that the Nazis weren't, but a lot of those were just rocket engineers. So the Japanese angle was buried even more deeply. And that may explain why we know today about the V-2 rocket test out of, you know, White Sands, but we don't know much about the Japanese angle. Not because, of, you know, nobody was actually 
overly concerned about hiding the balloon angle. It was the fact that it would also lead back to Unit 731 and nobody wanted to be linked. And as an interesting aside, one of uh, Charles Willoughby's closest friends was Philip Corso, who wrote the book The Day After Roswell. I mean, they were friends for decades and worked together on classified programs. And I speculate in the book that maybe... Corso actually knew the real story and was part of the a program, again, to sort of promote the UFO angle. The fact that he was so deeply tied to Willoughby, who was actually, and Willoughby actually ran the program to get the Unit 731 material over. You know, I don't think that is a coincidence. I think there's a bigger story there still to be found. So therefore, in short, the book The Day After Roswell was really disinformation. Yeah, I think it was. Now, the the problem I have with that book is not that, you know, somebody might know the whole story and decide to tell it. It's just I find it extremely difficult to believe that, you know, we recovered this material in 47, and within a few years we were sort of deciphering and replicating alien technology, and it was giving kickstarts to computers fiber optics, um, night vision, computers, all sorts of things. It just, to me, it just doesn't, it just doesn't hold water. In um, case we forget, by the way, neighbors, night vision goggles were being used by the Germans in the 1930s under development yeah. then. Yeah, and I think, you know, from my perspective, talking to people who read the book um, the, the day after Roswell and, you know, commented on it, it sort of polarizes people into just two camps. It's either literally true or it's literally false. You know, there's, there really isn't, because it's such a, a, a sort of descriptive story and specific, it can only be 100% true or 100% false. And I, I personally think we need to look further at Corso, not the story, but Corso and his connections with people like Charles Willoughby, and yeah, and also he actually was involved also with the, with the paperclip program. So, in other words, he was someone who may well have known the truth, and that possibly, you know, when the book came out, it was engineered to again add another layer of the UFO angle to to the to the story. At the very same time, you had the Air Force coming out with the crash test dummy angle for the bodies. And again, it confuses things, but it also keeps things away from the human experiment. You've got Corso championing the alien angle and the Air Force saying, oh, it's all right, they were just crash test dummies. But nobody's talking about something darker and deeper, you know. Well, before we go on with other aspects of this, have you thought just how many of these old-time UFO cases, these classic UFO or possibly UFO cases, are also cover-ups for something that had nothing to do with spaceships from elsewhere? Well, yeah. I mean, a classic example is a lot of people think, you know, that the whole Captain uh, Thomas Mantell case, you know, of 1948 was a, a classic tragedy where that Mantell was possibly chasing uh, a, a Project Skyhook balloon, these gigantic balloons, which was a classified program at the time. And... We know that there was some awkwardness within the Air Force not wanting to admit, you know, they're in a quandary. They didn't want to admit it was a UFO and then sort of spread, have stories spread that the UFO shot Mantell out the sky or whatever. But equally, they weren't able to talk about the Project Skyhook theory that they had or suspicions because Skyhook was still a classified balloon program and to talk about it 
would, would blow the lid on the secrecy surrounding that balloon program. And so they came up with theories like Venus, you know, and things like this, which were highly unlikely. And that wasn't because they were sort of, I don't think, hiding the truth of a UFO event. It was because they were in an awkward quandary where anything they said could blow wide open, as I said, uh, Project Skyhook. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the 50s um, encounters were another from another program called Project Moby Dick, which again flew massive, highly reflective balloons high into the atmosphere, which... And that was a highly classified program, so people not cleared would would possibly think at a distance they were seeing a flying saucer, and maybe um, you know the military would be very happy for people to think they were UFOs because it would act as a good cover. Now, I wouldn't want people to think I've sort of swung totally to the um, you know the debunking or skeptical side. I'm not. There's no doubt in my mind, and I point this out in the very in the introduction of the book. I'm absolutely convinced. There is a genuine, real UFO phenomenon. But the more I've gone into the subject, I'm more inclined to think that the real phenomenon of ufology is sort of the more supernatural kind of side of it that Keel talked about and Valais talked about. And I think the nuts and bolts angle could actually have been sort of overemphasized and um, encouraged to hide some of these classified military programs which were nuts and bolts you know so uh, i think uh, you know the more if roswell collapses i think as a ufo event i think what will happen is that it would have a spiral effect where people are going to say well does that mean there are no alien bodies in cryogenic storage at wright patterson does it mean there's no reverse engineering going on at area 51 etc etc and so i think ufology if roswell does fall ufology will move away from the nuts and bolts, take me to your leader, aliens, to the more Keelian angle of a paranormal UFO phenomenon. Um, so, well, you know, I'm all for that. That's kind of my approach. <laughs> What's that? I said I'm all for that. Oh, good. <laughs> but there are people who will resist that, particularly, you know, the old timers who grew up with the books like by Kehoe, and, uh, you know, uh, people like Frank Scully and, um, you know, a lot of the early 50s writers and, mid, you know, early 60s writers who championed the idea that the Air Force was hiding the truth of invaders from Mars or wherever, you know. That kind of scenario and that image still sort of holds a great deal of sway for a lot of the elderly people in ufology. And, you know, it's like anything... People resist change when they get older. They get frightened or intimidated by technology. Um, and I think they could get frightened and intimidated by the fact that ufology isn't really what they think it is. Well, when you mention, well, of course, I'm... people like Major Kehoe, who influenced so many people in the early years, he got a lot of his information about cases from the government. And he mm-hmm. wrote his books in kind of like a detective novel. And he was a novelist also, so he carried that through to his supposed factual writing. And he would tell all the steps he had to take to get these secret cases. And we always wondered when Kehoe got involved with this organization, NICAP, that he had so many military officers, including former head of the CIA, as board members. These are people he knew. And I'll bring this up and we'll talk about it in our next segment a little bit, if you like, whether Major Donald Kehoe was a tool of the government 
to spread UFO flying saucer disinformation in order to keep people from looking into other things. Not that some of these cases weren't real. I mean, there are a whole bunch of cases that do appear to be of unknown phenomena. But still, Kehoe himself, with all those military contacts, you wonder. We have Nick Redfern with Gene and Chris. You're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwoods. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack of the Rockwood, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. We use cell phones against our heads every day, but now a landmark U.S. government study confirms increased health risks from exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The time to protect yourself is now. The solution is Defender Shield. Proudly made in the USA, Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation emitted from cell phones, tablets, and laptops. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. Use discount code DEFENDER for 10% off. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in EMF radiation protection. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists, get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and sling bows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, I raised the framework. Major Donald Kehoe, early UFO writer, influencing so many people with the forerunner of the perceptions of UFOs being spaceships, the silence group, UFO secrecy, all the memes of traditional UFO research carried in his books. Nick Redfern, do you think he was a tool? Well, yeah, I actually think that could well be the case, and I'll explain why. If you look at the time frame, you know, it was sort of early 50s when Keogh took off big time in terms of UFOs. Now, if you go back to August 1949, that's when the Air Force put out a technical report under Project Grudge, which is one of the early UFO programs. Now, this was a study of just under 230 
alleged UFO incidents. But the most important part of this document is one that so many people forget or ignore. It says... The recommendation was, quote, that the psychological warfare divisions and other government agencies interested in psychological warfare be informed of the results of this study. Now, psychological warfare is essentially manipulating the truth to hide something else and to steer people away from something else. So, in other words, as far back as 49, we had the military recognizing that, okay, there may well be a real UFO phenomenon, but we can manipulate this phenomenon by psychologically priming certain people to believe certain things, kind of like saying a, a UFO crashed at Roswell or at Aztec. So I would not be surprised if people like Kehoe, when they were seen as being somewhat problematic and maybe unknowingly starting to uncover things on classified balloon programs, but thinking that they were actually uncovering stuff relative to UFOs, then they may have said, okay, you know, we need to give this guy what he wants, and what he wants is UFOs, so, you know, let's do that. That may be why it's not a coincidence that a lot of his cases did come from the governments if he was being pushed down that path. I mean, another thing I talk about in the book is the Aztec story. Silas Newton, we know, was one of the, a very shady character who was involved in spreading this story and maybe involved in creating it, this story of a crashed UFO in Hart Canyon in uh, Aztec, New Mexico in March 1948. Now, what's interesting is that according to Newton himself, or to one of his old journals, he said he was approached by two members of a clandestine military group or government group, which he didn't name. He thought he was going to get into trouble, but they actually said look, we want you just to keep telling this story about the crashed UFO. We're not here to threaten you or shut you up. We want you to actually keep talking about it. And that kind of suggests, you know, again, that there was somebody in the military or the intelligence community that wanted these bogus crash UFO stories to be believed and endorsed. And again, my only conclusion could be, well, not only, but I think the main conclusion would be Talk about crashed UFOs when you want to try and hide something else that, yes, it crashed, but it wasn't a UFO. Maybe, in some sense, perhaps something did come down near Aztec, but it may not have been a UFO. And maybe Silas Newton was prompted to talk about the UFO angle to hide the fact that something else came down. You know, I agree, Nick. There's nowhere near enough attention and, um, and research has been enacted by researchers looking at this angle of deliberate disinformation and misinformation by the government using the UFO subject as a convenient smokescreen to hide classified projects. I, I think it makes so much sense. And you point out, and I think rightfully so, that all the way back in the 40s uh, with Project Grudge, they were still a little bit confused about the subject, but but you could tell they could they could... <laughs> they were already seeing the advantages of the subject as a way to obfuscate their own programs um, that were yeah. highly classified and obviously need to know. So uh, I think that this is an area that more people uh, need to become involved and in, start doing the, the quality of digging that you do. And another example would be, uh, which I, I think not enough uh, kudos and credit was given um uh, James uh, Carrion, with his Ghost Rockets research, he came up with some very, very uh, intriguing uh, documentation and research that, that 
shows that the the government, even at the end of World War II, was was already possibly involved in in covering up events uh, with using uh, undefined uh, aerial objects as a as a way to hide uh, other projects. So I, I think this is something for for some of our younger listeners out there. If you really want to be part of the solution and not just a true believer, part of the uh, the rank and file, this would be a good area to really get involved with and, and do some digging like Nick is doing and like others are slowly doing. I think uh, the NORAD event that occurred in um, in ni- uh, early 94, in January of 94, which occurred in the San Luis Valley, which I have an extensive article on my website, th- this could also be some sort of cover-up for well, missile launches from White Sands to a landing range that's just south of Green River, Utah. And possibly this could have been an, uh, an errant uh, rocket that may have come down in, in pieces um, into the San Luis Valley. And people at NORAD were unaware that that launch was taking place, or inadvertently, some of the personnel may have reported it um, as a, a few acre-sized heat bloom and told Rio Grande County Sheriff and Search and Rescue to exhaust all efforts to find the source of it. So even today, uh, in the modern era, we might be seeing this same sort of uh, bait-and-switch type thing with subjects like Dulce, for instance. Um, I think it's a classic example of of using a story originally prompted uh, by uh, Air Force intelligence, and then now it's blown into this huge myth of an alien yeah. underground base. And so, and I really applaud you, Nick, uh, for you know really having the courage to fly in the face of <laughs> ufology. Well you, know, well, you know, I appreciate that, Chris. You know, and I think one of the problems with ufology is that if sort of an insider or an alleged insider tells a really exciting story, there's this almost like an overwhelming wish to believe it. Because why? Because it's exciting and it's conspiratorial and it's what we want to hear. And sometimes that yearning for that angle is overwhelms what should be an impartial study of the story. I mean, I right. always say to people, you know, if you're given a, a controversial story by an elderly whistleblower, don't just focus on the story. Ask the question, why me? Why have I been approached and why am I being approached now? Are you working on something else, uh, another program, another project, which somebody might want to steer you away from? And then suddenly this elderly guy turns up and his story is so powerful that you go chasing off after that. And that's one of the problems ufology has. I mean, I think that happened a great deal with the MJ-12 documents that a lot of researchers were looking into Roswell in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, Stan Friedman, Bill Moore, and suddenly the MJ-12 documents come out. And there's no doubt that a lot of the thrust went away from investigating Roswell, the event, and everybody and his brother was focusing on these documents. You know, I won't say the investigation of Roswell was derailed, because it wasn't, but the, the emphasis, this massive emphasis that was on the case were suddenly channeled over to these questionable, controversial documents. And I don't think that was coincidence. Kind of the same, you know, you talked about Dulcie. I mean, like uh, Greg Bishop's Project Beta book, all about Paul Benowitz. You know, that's kind of a, a classic example as well. And I think, you know, ufology needs to sort of, when we get these whistleblower stories about crashed UFOs and dead aliens, we need to sort of take a breath and stop and think, like I said, why me? Why now? What's the motivation in, an insider giving me this information? 
that may make people think then, well, hang on a minute, this is just too good to be true. And sometimes it seems to be too good to be true because it actually is, you know. And then <laughs> it's, it's up to us then to try and figure out why we approached and what is it that's really being hidden. So, uh, yeah. I'm being approached right now by uh, uh, this out-of-the-woodwork, uh, sort of out-of-the-blue out of uh, source, that um, I don't know how they got my name. I don't know how they they uh, knew I was interested in the story. But in a recent data dump that uh, John Greenwald had about two or three months ago, there was an interesting letter uh, to the net and uh, you know to the Forest Service from a guy that claimed that he stumbled on the uh, entrance up on a cliff face here in Central Arizona of some sort of underground alien facility. Okay, the cliffhanger, folks, with Gene and Chris and Nick Redfern. You're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hi, John here again. After another month of being on several supplements from Synergistic Nutrition, including Synergy One, the Andreas Black Cumin Seed Oil, and other supplements, I've lost another 10 pounds for a total of 20 pounds. My belt size has been reduced by one and three quarter inches. My knees don't ache as much anymore, and I'm walking my dogs twice as long as I did a month ago. I sleep very well and have a lot more energy. I noticed that when I cut myself accidentally, that I was bleeding much more profusely and that the blood was bright red. Previously, I didn't bleed much at all. It was dark red in color. So I know this protocol is working to keep my blood healthy. Additionally, I now have the energy to do calisthenics several times a week in addition to the extra walking. My hunger has been reduced a lot. I take two shakes a day, one with each meal. Call Synergistic Nutrition at 888-988-3325 or visit sacredseedoils.com. That's sacredseedoils.com. Be prepared for the next disaster with the Shelter Pod. The Shelter Pod is a large, all-season, heavy-duty, quick-deploy shelter. The Shelter Pod system can be set up in 30 seconds and includes an emergency medical kit, water filter, survival tools, and more. Are you prepared to take care of your family? Do you have everything in one place ready to go? Get it now or enter to win a complete Shelter Pod system at ShelterPod.com. The Shelter Pod at ShelterPod.com. Shelter when you need it most. Hi there, I'm Bob Eubanks. You know, as part of Hollywood for a long time, I've seen my fair share of celebrities get in trouble with the IRS. Well, there's one name I trust. 
the Tax Defense Group. They're the most trusted name in tax. So if you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS, you really need to call my friends at the Tax Defense Group. Ignoring the IRS is not the solution. They can garnish your paycheck, levy your bank accounts, seize your home or business. But the Tax Defense Group could put a stop to all of that and tailor a program that would reduce your tax debt to pennies on the dollar. you got to love that. So don't just take my word for it. Call them. Find out for yourself. They offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. And they're open 24 hours a day because they know that tax debt doesn't sleep either. Call now for your free and confidential tax analysis from the most trusted name in tax. Call 800-361-6907. 800-361-6907. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Okay, Chris, you open the door there. <laughs> oh, please, well, tell again, us more. Uh, as with a lot of these stories, I've... I've I've been very lucky, I think, over the last 25 years. I've only been uh, punked once. I'm not the kind of person that, I guess, attracts these whistleblower sources that come forward and try to pull fast ones on you. I've been expecting one for a while, and this may be the one. This guy claims he, he can take me right to a spot in a canyon where there's uh, doors that are camouflaged. They're, they're very artfully camouflaged, but uh, they open up and uh, craft come out, and he's seen aliens uh, in, in the neighborhood there, and he's... He's been monitoring this, uh, I think, since the late 90s, early 2000s. And all of a sudden, I get an email from this person saying he wants to take me there. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, a lot of your research into cattle mutes, I mean, you know, yourself, there's multiple theories. And one of the theories is that the UFO angle acts as a cover for, you know, sort of domestic experiments, you know, whether it's to figure out if there are viruses in the food chain or, you know, all sorts of weird stuff. I mean, whether the theories are correct or not, you know, there is that angle that the UFO aspect of cattle mutilations has been encouraged, you know, as a umbrella for something else. I've been saying that for uh, much to the chagrin of uh, <laughs> a few researchers out there who tout the, uh, the alien angle. Um, I've been saying that for years, as uh, many listeners um, uh, of the Paracast are aware and readers of my books. I think that there's something much more uh, terrestrial going on. And I think the same can be said uh, with your work in, in looking at Roswell and looking at uh, the whole UFO subject kind of in general, that there's a lot of mis- and disinformation that has been salted into the lexicon and into the narrative. And I think that it's it's perfect fodder for people that really don't have the time or the inclination.
information or the uh, ability to to dig into these subjects uh, deeper uh, to the extent that you do or, or some other uh, researchers who I have a lot of respect for. They just rather believe the stuff that, that rings true to them. And when you ask them, why do you believe this? How do you know that this is true? And, and why do you why do you feel so strongly this is true? Pretty much, by and large, everybody says, well, uh, my intuition tells me it's, it's true. And I'm sorry, but you can't go on just straight gut feelings and intuition when it comes to a, such a complicated subject as uh, the paranormal or ufology or cattle mutilations or whatever it is. You've got to dig. You've got to actually do the work. There's not enough people out there in the, uh, you know, the big uh, audience for all this stuff, uh, the people that tune into Gaia TV and, and go to contact in the desert. And they so lust after, after wanting to believe that they just really, um, they really don't have a proper perspective, I think. I'm sure, Nick, you would agree. <laughs> I, I, I fully agree with what you said. And I think there's also another angle, and that is there are certain people in ufology who don't want to upset the apple cart because they're fearful of being sort of thrown out of the little cliques and groups with the, you know, the certain people who always hang out at certain conferences. They don't want to risk losing their position on the conference stage. They want to be able to continue doing the TV shoots. They don't want to risk upsetting the old timers who are influential and can get them further up the ladder. You know, it's basically not wanting to rock the Roswell scenario because you prefer to kiss ass, you know, to get on in ufology. It doesn't seem to be harming you, Nick. <laughs> well, that's because, you know, I, I, people know I say what I think, and, and there are conferences where they may not want me, but I'm, I'm not going to lose sleep over, over that. I'm just going to say what I think, and if people don't like it, well, to hell with them. I don't care. Yeah. But there are people who do care. My view is that I do it my way. If it turns out to be the right way, great. If I was duped on something, I'm going to say why I was duped and how it happened. I mean, it was like when the Roswell Slides thing, when that was shown to be a mummy, there were still researchers who didn't want to be, be critical of the research of the Roswell Slides community that was looking into it. There still are people. They, yeah, that's because they were friends with them, they were colleagues, they worked together, and they, they felt awkward about criticising them. Well, you know, that's too bad. If somebody screws up, well, make sure that the world knows, or the UFO, you know, the UFO community knows. I mean, I see this at conferences where somebody will talk about something really controversial and another person on the panel won't criticize them because they know that person's got a lot of clout and a lot of followers. And so they, they try and worm their way around it and squirm without actually saying anything at all, you know. Yeah. I should take one of their workshops because it doesn't stop me. I pride myself in being that that little boy in the parade route pointing at the naked emperors or empresses walking the strutting along the parade route. <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, this this just really boils down to whether this is entertainment or whether this is real hard-boiled research and investigation. And unfortunately, many of the people interested in these subjects can't tell the difference. It's really sad. Uh, I think it's slowly changing. We just had a very interesting uh, 16-year-old on the show uh, who's a, a, a paranormal researcher. Uh, cryptozoology is his real passion. He sounded so level-headed. And, and when John Greenwald came out in the mid-'90s as a 14-year-old, uh, look at look at how much he's accomplished. I, I really do think that there's hope for the field with the, the quality of young people that are coming along and really looking at this dispassionately and, and 
and really digging in and doing the research. Until you do that, you can't make a determination whether something is legitimate or whether it's fantasy. You know, unfortunately, I think, uh, like I said, sound like a broken record. The majority of people interested in these subjects can't tell the difference. Well, that's the problem. Ufology has its own laws where a great story has to be true or we really want it to be true. There's also the issue of so many people in ufology can't keep their mouths shut. You know, they'll talk about this, they'll talk about that before it's even been fully investigated. And then somebody else jumps into it. And before you know it, it's some big unholy mess. You know, I think the ideal approach is to keep your data as close to hand as you can. And when you're ready, then put it out for everybody to see all the material and not yeah. sort of have it come out in snippets or through Chinese whispers or rumors, or have you heard what so-and-so is doing? And that's what happened with the Roswell slides, that nobody got to see the slides until the last moment. And there were all these conjectures and theories running around. Had I been the person who had been given those slides, I wouldn't have told anybody apart from people who could perhaps help with the investigation. And right, and put a muzzle on them for them not to say anything. Yeah, muzzle everybody, including me. And if it fell apart, you could discard it. And no one would ever know. It, it wouldn't even come out. But to actually talk about it and not show the slides until the last moment, that had everybody and his brother looking into this, wondering what's going on. Is Are these actually pictures from dead bodies from Roswell? And then when we finally saw it, days before it all collapsed, it was this sort of poor little mummified kid in a museum. You know, that, that could have been totally nipped in the bud immediately, you right. know, but it wasn't. And that, that's well, ufology's it, problem. How could something so dried up and, and desiccated be from Roswell if, if it was the photograph was taken in 47? Uh, it would have had to have been taken years before that, or the body would have had to have been interned years before that for the amount of, of mummification uh, that obviously was, was probably uh, due to a dry uh, environment. Um, that very fact alone put the whole thing in question. It should have put the whole thing in question to uh, uh, Schmidt and Carey and uh, the other the other supporters of, of it, uh, Jaime Masson. Let's continue who, with more with Nick Redfern and Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Homeowners have much more to worry about than just making their mortgage payment. Can you afford to repair or replace your air conditioning when it stops working this summer? Or worse, a major plumbing problem? With National Home, you can say goodbye to repair bills. If you own a home, you could stop paying for these costly repairs. Best of all, call now to get one month of repair coverage for free. Get total protection for your home's major appliances and systems so you have no more costly repair bills. Call 800-887-3022. That's 800-887-3022. 800-887-3022. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. 
Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-765-9681 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-765-9681. Again, that's 800-765-9681. Heart disease is on the rise. Clogged arteries, high blood pressure, and high cholesterol levels may not be fully detected by you, but the symptoms are there. Loss of energy, blood sugar spikes and drops, poor circulation, and irregular heartbeat are just a few of these that can alert you that something is wrong. Hear how heart and body extract is making a difference in thousands of people's lives across America. My blood pressure has normalized. My diabetes has totally improved. Everyone is telling me now how much healthier I look, and I'm telling everyone how much healthy I feel. I recommend heart and body extract to everyone. Anybody over 40 in the North American continent should be using this product as a preventative to keep their cardiovascular system healthy. Order your two-month supply today by calling 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. Or order online, hbextract.com. Heart and body extract, 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. This is Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Uh, Nixon rare form. His book is The Roswell UFO Conspiracy. And I should point out to our readers, it's a compact book. It's a quick read. And it really takes you to some interesting points of view in terms of not just this case, but how the government may have influenced a lot of UFO cases. Now, here's an interesting point to mention, Nick. In looking at this book, 12 years after Body Snatchers in the Desert, 
Is there anything today that you would change about the original book? Well, I wouldn't change it so much, but what I did was to the new book was to add certain information on the people I spoke to and how I came to meet them. Now, when Simon & Schuster published Body Snatchers in the Desert, the editorial team wanted it basically just all the data. But I felt that there was some capital could be gained by explaining how I actually got to meet these people and under what circumstances. So in the new book, I've talked about that because that actually is part of the story as to how I got involved with them. You know, it wasn't like, oh, you know, we'll just contact Nick Redfern and tell him. It was sort of like a a sort of a strange set of strands that led me to these people one by one. So I would have liked to put that in the first one, but the data hopefully alone, you know, told the story. But I did feel at some point it was important to get that across. So I've done that with the new one. But I I wouldn't have done things sort of too much different. I mean, with the new one, what I've done, obviously, is to sort of provide a summary of Body Snatchers for people who haven't read the first one but then to sort of pretty much go into the new material. Well, actually, there is one thing that I would have uh, changed in the first book, and I, and I stress this in the new one, is that people were saying, oh, well, this is Nick Redfern's theory, Nick Redfern's story, not realising or actually ignoring that multiple people had been given this same story, but nobody else had written, been written a book on, on it. Uh, I'm going to give you an example, because I talk about this in, in the new book. Back in 1997, which was the 60th anniversary of Roswell, when the Air Force came out with the crash test dummies and Corso came out with his book, popular mechanics were approached by a source who they didn't reveal, who said that there was going to be a forthcoming release of documents that would tell the story of a Japanese equivalent of paperclip and that the bodies would be shown to be Japanese personnel on this program. That story didn't go any further apparently the file well obviously the files did not surface but popular mechanics said that they had a source who told them that that was the story and this was sort of eight years before body snatchers came out now john keel it wasn't just his theory that it was a japanese balloon as i point out in the book he had a number of sources who told him the story of the japanese flights etc in the early uh, 1990s Leonard Stringfield, in one of his status reports on crashed UFOs, he published a story of sort of, uh, sort of um, genetically, not sort of genetically altered, that's the wrong term, people who had sort of genetic handicaps who were used in um, radiation experiments at Los Alamos in the 40s. So, in other words, there were, there were threads of this story going back years, which had nothing to do with me, and which in some cases came sort of 14, 15 years before my book came out, but people insisted on saying, oh, it's Nick Redfern's theory or his story. It wasn't. As I said, the only difference was that I dug into it further to the point where I could write a full-length book on it, whereas somebody like Keel did a small article for Fate. But it was basically strands of the same story. So I would have emphasized that more in the first book, but at least, you know, I've been able to to do it now. There goes Nick again, throwing a turd in the punch bowl. (laughs) 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 <laughs> well, you know Hey, somebody's got to do, do it, man and I really I applaud you Well, I don't do it deliberately I just don't shy away from Telling it as it is, you know If it, you know, if it doesn't fit the facts And it doesn't fit the What ufology wants to hear 
I'm not going to say, well, he does fit just for the sake of appeasing this one conference organiser who gets me on the bill every year. You know, I'm not going to worry if he throws me off next year because he doesn't like this book. You know, that that's... If you haven't got the strength of character to just stand behind your own stuff without worrying what someone else is going to say, you might as well give up. You know? That's his right. loss, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But looking at this here in light of this book and in light of the things that you've learned, doesn't that really raise the demand on the UFO field to just take a new look at all the old cases from stem to stern? I know Kevin Randall's been doing a lot of that, but he's just one guy. Well, yeah, I mean, there is that aspect to it, but equally, I think, you know, ufology is so driven by the whole I want to believe factor that you know, a significant number of conferences won't want me to speak about it, you know, particularly if they've got people new to the subject. I can see some of these organizers thinking, well, hang on a minute, we're going to have a bunch of young people coming along who are new, and Nick's going to be talking about how aliens didn't crash at Roswell. You know, the best thing to do is we won't have him speak. I can see that happening a lot, you know, but um, but I'm not going to change my views on it, you know, if they don't like it, to hell with them. Um, but... I do think it should have its, um, you know, its fair share. The reason being that if people deliberately ignore it, what's happening is that ufology is effectively self-censoring itself, you know. And, yeah, it's uh, intellectual dishonesty. Yeah, and that's as bad as, you know, if a UFO case is hidden by the military or the government, you know, we're trying to expose it. If we start self-censoring because... It's going to upset the apple cart, like I said earlier. Or, you know, people are just going to be upset that aliens didn't crash at Roswell, so they, you know, they look in a different direction. Well, that's that. That's a that's a big tragedy, you know, that um, that people would actually self censor ufology for the sake of, you know, getting another few people on in the lecture theatre at whatever at twenty dollars a time or something. I wonder here, as we talk about this, we can continue on our next segment whether some of the early cases of UFO abductions were in part military experiments or completely military experiments. And I still think that occasionally, and I've been shot down a thousand times, but I'll still say it, Barney and Betty Hill. They live near a military base. Many of their friends are in the military. The details of the beings they saw and other aspects of the case differ from later UFO abductions. So is it at all possible that this particular case or similar cases were basically mind control experiments of some sort? Well, yeah, I mean, if you look at the the era, I mean, particularly with the Space Brothers, you know, I mean, that would be easy to manipulate some of the early contactees because the Space Brothers look just like us. You know, they weren't little greys, which would be more difficult to sort of... uh, you know, uh, to do with. But, I mean, in one of my early books, Contactees, I talked about the case of Orfeo Angelucci, uh, one of the early contactees, but lesser-known ones. And he had some really weird experiences. He talked about one particular case, or one time out in the California desert, when he was due to meet um, this sort of enigmatic character who wanted to speak to him. And he said they went to this particular diner out in the California desert, and this mysterious guy said to Angelucci, before we talk about what I can tell you about UFOs, 
you need to take this pill. And, you know, this was a stranger. And <laughs> Angelucci took it off him and swallowed I forgot the about pill. that. <laughs> yeah, and within, literally within about 15 minutes, he started to feel kind of weird and creeped out. And then suddenly, I think it was like on his... He had, like, a drink on the table. He, he could see, like, this little ballerina dancing in the drink, and the room looked more brighter, and the the colours were more defined. And it was almost like he was on a trip. Yeah, now, it sounds like LSD. <laughs> yeah. Well, what happened then, he said that in this kind of befuddled stupor, he said on the table next to him were two military guys staring intently at him. Let's break it here and continue with the yeah. story of Orfeo <laughs> Angelucci. In the Diner, with Nick Redfern and Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. By now, you know that wireless technology like cell phones do, in fact, pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality, American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Within 15 minutes of registration, care your family can afford. Revolutionizing the healthcare industry, virtual consulting, providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com, virtual care anywhere. Cancer categorizes over 100 diseases. Though we do not diagnose, treat, or cure cancer, GCN team is offering the Clemson University study where there was up to a 95% reduction in cancerous cells when exposed to a plant-derived mineral supplement. If you or a loved one are searching for answers to this horrifying disease, come to GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. We'll email you a copy for free. That's 877-878-4203. 
Hey, diabetics, yeah, you. Got a spare hour to waste going to the pharmacy to get your insulin or other meds and supplies every month? I didn't think so. Me either. I've got life going on, which is why I use PillPack. PillPack is an amazing online pharmacy. They package up all my diabetic meds and testing supplies into daily doses and send it to me every month automatically. All I do is pay my normal copay. PillPack does the rest. I'm serious. This is a free service. They don't even charge for shipping. PillPack handles all the medical insurance stuff and even get with my doctors for my other prescriptions so I don't have to, which is good because that's the stuff I forget. But Pill Pack remembers everything. They even package up my daily vitamins so I remember to take them too. If you're diabetic, your meds and supplies are life and death, which means you need Pill Pack. Call right now for this free service. You may even qualify for $25 in free vitamins. 800-560-7310. That's 800-560-7310. Again, 800-560-7310. Being Self-reliance is about being prepared and to do what you need to have your own source of renewable energy. Portable Solar LLC offers the most powerful EMP-hardened solar system on the market that is transportable from place to place. And the best part, it's very affordable. Contact them at PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875. Soul Arc EMP-hardened solar generator, energy insurance for your family or business. Call Portable Solar LLC today or go to PortableSolarLLC.com to check out their patent-pending technology. Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So they slip Orpheo a tab, Nick Redfern, or something, and he takes it. He's so naive. And what happened from there was that instead of this guy promising to share what he knew about UFOs, this guy then started pumping Angelucci for information. What do you think about UFOs? Do you think people believe in them? How do you think the public's responding to your experiences? In other words, if if his events were sort of staged, like a mind control thing, they were then trying to figure out how successful it was working, and they got two guys sat on the table next to them, possibly just to make sure nothing went wrong or, you know, he didn't overdose or whatever. I mean, there are a number of cases where you could suggest that happened. I mean, for example, if you look at the famous uh, Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker case at Pascagoula, Mississippi in 73, on that stretch of the Mississippi River, just a few miles away, there used to be a facility there that performed research into mind manipulation through using chemicals. You know, it was like a, an outgrowth of the MK Ultra program. In other words, it wouldn't surprise me at all if certain UFO events over the years had been manipulated via things like mind manipulation, mind control, in, you know, in simple terms as it's known. And possibly you wouldn't really need to be that sophisticated. You know, you get somebody into a really altered state of mind create a few props, put the person in this majorly wasted state into a room, and then essentially, you know, the seeds would grow. It would be almost like a ufological Johnny Appleseed where, you know, the story would spread and the seeds would spread. It would be like an early version of a meme. It would just spread everywhere. And so maybe if these events were staged, not much effort might have to be put into them because ufology would do the rest. It would talk about the stories and interview the witnesses. Before you know it, 
the image of the abduction or the contact case would be cemented then. Well, it sure worked that way, didn't it? We don't know for sure, you know, but it, it wouldn't surprise if you look at the time frame of things like MK Ultra and LSD experiment, you know, which were also going on in England. The British Army, you know, had a program in the early 50s where they dosed, without their knowledge, you know, troops and filmed them sort of walking around woods on LSD. And some of these films you can find on YouTube, you know, the soldiers are just laughing and staggering and wandering around the woods, you know, incapable of doing anything. So time-wise, that wouldn't surprise me at all. And then you have uh, someone like a Douglas Dietrich, who um, not too many people, I think, really have heard of. He appeared uh, uh, briefly uh, a few years ago with this idea that um, the whole gray alien with the slanted eyes was actually a subtle way to actually prejudice uh, Asiatic uh, people of Asiatic origins. And, and it was a subtle way to brainwash people into, in, into uh, uh, being in a place of fear and, uh, and possibly in a place of uh, negative feelings about people with slanted eyes or aliens with slanted eyes, which, which I thought was kind of an interesting idea. But then he goes on to say that the Japanese actually won World War II and it was the whole end of the war was staged. And he kind of lost me there. And yeah. definitely lost Richard Dolan, uh, who almost went out of his chair at the speaker's panel. I had to <laughs> kind of hold him down because he, he just he was frothing at the mouth, you know, listening to the, <laughs> all the revisionist history. But you just never know what the government is up to and what the rationale is to possibly conduct things like uh, well, Project Monarch, Project Artichoke, and and some of these uh, mind-altering uh, drug experiments, and, and um, the CIA in San Francisco, you know, drugging people going to uh, uh, prostitutes and stuff. I mean, I don't think you can really second-guess what their, what their actual um, agenda is in a lot of these things. And, and you start looking at, uh, at the Army Chemical Corps and Sidney Gottlieb and, and dosing Frank uh, Olson, for instance, uh, at a party and then possibly later dosing him again, which led to his death. And, you know, you just, you just, you know, the government is just so governments in general are really capable of doing some pretty horrific things in, in the, uh, under the guise of national security and, and um, counterintelligence and those, those types of, of practices. Well, I think there could be sort of multiple reasons as to why these experiments could be going on. Now, obviously, the the most likely one with things like Roswell is to actually hide a physical event that occurred and try and pass it off as something else. However, what I also think is that in some cases, the reasoning might be to see how easy it is to manipulate people's minds and see how rumours can spread and be perceived as the truth. In other words, perhaps one particular UFO case or story is fabricated and somebody on the inside spreads it, and then they carefully watch to see how it spreads throughout ufology, how the story mutates, how then you have Walter Mitty types who come forward claiming to be part of that program, which never really existed. In other words, you know, there could be this sort of psychological angle that it's, it's a good sort of litmus test of how rumours can be spread and how the enemy, possibly potential enemies overseas, might fall for the ruse as well. And it's all done via a non-existent UFO case, so no real secrets are ever compromised. So I think that's, you know, a possibility. It, a lot of reasons and ways why the UFO community may have been targeted in different ways to try and engineer different results, you know, whether to hide something or just see, like I said, how, see how 
rumors spread, see what the, the Russians think if we start saying we've got crashed UFOs. Maybe sometimes it's, it's been done even to sort of try and get Russian spies in the US to come out into the open. You know, maybe they've been actively spying on the UFO angle, and so the government overemphasizes it, and then suddenly, you know, a guy named Ivan gets arrested because he, you know, he messed up and got too close to the truth of something that actually wasn't real, but uh, it resulted in his arrest, you know. Yeah, especially in the, in the 50s and uh, into the 60s. I would be very surprised if that particular angle wasn't uh, foremost in, in some counterintelligence um, officers' minds and some of the programs yeah. that they devised to flush these uh, these yeah. spies out. It makes perfect sense during the Cold War, especially. Yeah, and the important thing is no real secret would have been compromised. You know, it would all have been just a giant ruse. I think that probably has happened. But, of course, then it becomes a staple part of ufology, and then it becomes believed and and, and that's the problem. So uh, I think sometimes we should focus less on investigating UFO sightings and concentrate more on who's telling the story and, and what's, what's their motivation and where did they suddenly pop up from, you know. Well, I, I think the government is very, very interested in how memes propagate, um, how, how stories um, spread, how quickly they spread. Um, whether they change at all, um, whether they attract other memes to them and become super memes. Um, it, it's just, it makes perfect sense to me that that, that sort of uh, interest would be there in the government, especially when it comes to um, intelligence uh, subjects and counterintelligence subjects. I think it makes perfect sense. And it, I would be very, very surprised if, if this wasn't one of the major operative rationales for the government being involved in the UFO subject area. In fact, I think this would, would be probably one of the most uh, important angles and aspects of their involvement. Yeah, and I think so many people in ufology don't realize, they never think of that angle. All the focus is on the, the incident, you know, um, and that, that may well have been to our cost on, on many occasions. Just want to tell everybody that we have a special feature of this show called the Paracast Plus. And I haven't mentioned it before, but I think it's very important in connection with what we've been talking about here because we offer an exclusive feature on Paracast Plus called After the Paracast. And it can be special interviews. It can be color commentary. And this week we feature Monty Shriver, and he is a former resident of Aztec, New Mexico, who, upon hearing about the alleged crash at Hearth Canyon, decided to spend a year of his life investigating the case and looking into the three books written on the subject that have gotten so much attention. And what he found will be reported there. I think we all know they didn't find anything that supports the case. And if you want to know more about how to get after the Paracast and join the Paracast Plus, go to plus.theparacast.com. That's plus.theparacast.com. We also give you the ad-free or commercial-free version of this show with better quality audio, other extras, free books for five-year and lifetime subscriptions. Again, that's plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com. The book under discussion, The Roswell Conspiracy, Nick Redfern's sequel, to body snatchers in the desert. 
More to come with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. If you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. Lifetime Graze 100% grass-fed beef has the health benefits you seek. When compared to conventional beef, it offers good fats while virtually eliminating the bad. That's the result of cattle who never eat grain, ever. Rich in antioxidants, including vitamin E, C, beta-carotene, and CLA. No artificial hormones, antibiotics, or other drugs. For all our fresh, non-cooked products with only 100% grass-fed beef, go to MidasResources.com. Use voucher code GCN to get 30% off your order. MidasResources.com or find us on Facebook. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We continue with Nick Redfern, the final four segments of the show. The thing that bothers me, Nick Redfern, about all this is, can we, all these years after these crazy things happen, can we really prove what went on? Yeah, that's the big question. And, you know, I'll be honest that so far there is no proof for any theory on Roswell. I mean, even the Air Force said, we think it's a mogul balloon that came down to the ranch, but all the mogul records they found never actually confirmed that one came down the ranch. And that was a problem, you know. Now, another unfortunate angle is that nearly all the people I spoke to, the old-timers, said that because these experiments were sort of semi-illegal, if not outright illegal, you know, taking you know, people's rights away and using them as guinea pigs, when these programs were shut down, when the regular government realized what was going on, you know, with these Japanese scientists almost being given free reign, that what happened was that the ones who were sort of overseeing the programs panicked. And so the bodies were destroyed. 
there would be no point in keeping the shredded balloons and etc. So they were just destroyed. And the people I spoke to said, for as far as they are aware, practically all the documentation was destroyed as well to protect the guilty. Now, if that's true, then it may well be the case that we could never prove it because the documentation and everything else was destroyed. If aliens crashed, then of course the bodies would be preserved because they would be so unique and strange and they would be put into like cryogenic storage for decades, you know, forever, or as long as they lasted. The wreckage would be carefully studied. But if it really was just balloon wreckage, lifting body type crafts and Japanese people, prisoners, handicapped people, you could see why they would just destroy all that to check what happened, but also to leave absolutely no kind of trail. So, you know, that's kind of a bit of a depressing for the, you know, the fact we're trying to get the answers. But what I would say is that one of the people's whose story, a new story told in the book, came from a well-respected Australian UFO researcher, uh, Keith Basterfield. And Keith shared with me a story just after Body Snatchers came out because he'd been given, Keith lives in Australia, as I said, and before my book came out, he was approached by a guy whose father was in British intelligence and who had read files in Britain within MI5, which is the British equivalent of the FBI. He had read files on this whole Japanese secret experiments, handicapped people, high-altitude flights. And apparently the Brits had uncovered something about this and had put their own dossier together on what had gone on. So there could well be light at the tunnel, whereas perhaps a lot of the original files were destroyed, but there could have been sort of supplementary material held by other agencies that still tells the story of what happened. And, and Keith Baxterfield's uh, source, who I interviewed just after the book came out, when Keith put him in touch with me, he had a really fascinating story to tell again of sort of like a, like a lifting uh, body type craft lifted into the air onto this massive balloon array, flown out of one of the military bases in New Mexico and coming down on the ranch and there being two crash sites. Obviously, the balloon wreckage would would float down slowly because it was so light. But then, because the aircraft itself was so heavy, that would just slam to the ground. So you had two crash sites on the ranch. And that's what even the the believers in the UFO angle have suggested from all the testimony, that there were two sites. So, in other words, you know, it's... We're still getting sources like Keith Basterfield's source uh, coming through even now and uh, and putting this into sort of very disturbing category. But again, proving anything as so far has <laughs> proved to be, you know, uh, we just haven't got there. And I'm not sure we ever will. Um, I mean, one of the interesting things when the Air Force uh, did their study in 94 and the uh, general accounting office, as it was known back then, was looking into it. They found that all the outgoing uh, records from Roswell from 45 to 50 were gone. You know, the, and I mean, that's a fact, that they were not where they should be. They, they'd been taken at some point in the past. Nobody knew if it was 50 years ago, 20 years ago, or 24 hours before the general accounting office started looking for them. Um, but they vanished, and they have not surfaced uh, since. So that's what I mean about the evidence, the proof may well have been sort of systematically destroyed or hidden 
squirreled away or a combination of all those scenarios just to make sure there's nothing left that is going to incriminate anybody. Yeah, you can you can rest assured that all that a lot of that documentation has been destroyed, if if not all of it. Uh, it, it there would be very little reason to really have it around. Yeah, I mean that, that that's the ironic thing is that if it was a UFO crash, everything would be preserved and kept. If it was a dark and dirty experiment, arguably everything would be destroyed. You know, there's there's sort of no middle ground between the two, really. Yeah, well, there you go with that. There you go with that. The fact that something like that will disappear as quickly as those trillions of dollars of Defense Department money that Donald Rumsfeld tried to find before 9-11. All go bye-bye. And I I think also the the one thing a lot of people forget is the problem of who exactly is overseeing, you know, the truth of what happened at Roswell. Now, when the Air Force brought out their report, you know, the the Mogul report, um, excuse me, the Mogul balloon scenario and the crash test dummies, a lot of people said, you know, the Air Force are lying, they're the evil guys, etc. The more I looked into it and, and actually looked into some of the surrounding documentation, not just the report, there's, there's a, I think there's a very strong likelihood um, that the Air Force of today, and, 90, and in 94 and 97 when they did their studies, the Air Force of today, I don't think actually does know what happened at Roswell. Now, somebody may well know the truth of these um, military experiments, and they may well have the files still hidden away. But I, I honestly don't think today's Air Force is in the loop for what happened back then. What I think is that the the truth of this dark experiment if it still remains hidden, it's hidden by sort of an elite group with an elite need to know, and the Air Force, I don't think, knows. And the the people who we think would know, like, you know, the director of the CIA or senior people in the Pentagon, they may not know, but somebody does. But it could be one of these, what are known as special access programs, SAPs, where it doesn't even matter if you've got a top-secret clearance. If you're not actually given you know, the ability to join this particular project, you don't get in regardless of your um, secrecy level. So I think, you know, when people point at the government and say they're hiding the truth of Roswell or the Air Force is, I'm not at all sure they are. I think we could well be dealing with a group that is so incredibly well buried that not even the government knows, the elected government doesn't even know what happened at Roswell. But as I said, someone does, and that someone maybe the key to, you know, opening the door to this old museum that's, that tells the story of what really happened. It's the Warehouse 13. Yeah, exactly like that, yeah. The so, thing I always and- wonder about when you're keeping secrets this long is how it passes from one generation to the next, from CIA director to CIA director or to whatever agency is involved, or perhaps when people take up these positions they are read in. And I also wonder in situations like that whether a president of the United States is ever read in beyond maybe, of course, Truman and Eisenhower for obvious reasons. I think if it was a UFO event, at least some of them would be read into it because it would be so important. If it was just a massively embarrassing series of experiments that have to be hidden, 
they probably wouldn't tell them because there'll be, you know, it could be hidden without complicating situations. But I think bringing people into the program and hoping they're, they're going to keep quiet, I think would actually work really well. Got more to come with Nick Redfern. Exploring the Roswell UFO conspiracy and more with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Cal Ben Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. You've heard the phrase, you are what you eat? Not true. Actually, you are what you can absorb. So if the vitamins and supplements you now take are not being absorbed, what good are they? Introducing Protovite, proprietary liquid system that allows premium quality nutrients to positively affect the blood in an astonishing five minutes. Watch our amazing two-minute live blood cell video at TrueHealthFacts.com. That's TrueHealthFacts.com. Then call 502-410-3411. Protovite is nutrition you can feel. Protovite is nutrition that gets in. Will the government protect your family from Iran and North Korea's newest weapon, EMP? We buy guns to protect ourselves, home, health, and car insurance for accidents. Maybe you also have food storage. But how would you keep your refrigerator running in a long-term EMP blackout? Using tested military designs, the Solark EMP-hardened solar generator protects and powers your critical appliances for years without burying items underground or wrapping them in aluminum foil. Unlike other preps, Solark is used every day to help offset your electric bill automatically. Visit PortableSolarLLC.com to learn Learn how easily expandable the system is. Solark is the most affordable and powerful solution on the market. The whole system even fits in the back of a pickup or SUV and can install in less than an hour. See for yourself why Solark beats other off-grid systems at PortableSolarLLC.com. Don't wait for the government. 
Go to PortableSolarLLC.com to learn why Solark is energy insurance for your family. Yesterday, I got a call from the IRS. They say I owe them over $16,000. I don't have that kind of money. Don't try to fight the IRS on your own. Use Coast One Financial Group and let them help you get a fresh start. If you owe at least $10,000 in back taxes, call now for a free and confidential tax debt analysis. Call Coast One now for a free consultation at 800-643-4661 now. 800-643-4661. That's 800-643-4661. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So let's continue with that lion discussion, Nick Redfern, about the government and secrets. I think that if, you know, there are people who from generation to generation are brought into this project to hide the truth of a domestic disturbing human experiment or series of experiments, I think it would actually be really easy for the truth to be kept hidden. Because if you imagine, you know, your average politician or high-ranking military officer is brought into the program to oversee it for the next 10 years, when they realize that by releasing this, it would cause a major uproar all across the country, by default, they're automatically realized they can never talk about it because it is something that would just colour the whole history of you know the post-war era and what was done in the name of national security. So I think there's this immediate realisation that regardless of what they may have thought about before they got into the programme, that, oh, well, I'm going to tell the world what happened at Roswell, when they get in and they see the impact it would have on the government's credibility or its appearance, they shut up. And that may happen every single time that... When anybody is brought into the program, within seconds they realize, for the sake of the country, as they see it, or the sake of the government, they can never talk about it. So, in other words, the the sheer controversial nature of the event dictates that people won't talk about it. All right, we're looking at events several decades ago that they want to keep a secret. Does that imply they're still doing things like that, but maybe have better ways to hide it? I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, you know, go back to what you said about sort of fabricating abductions and things like that. I mean, you know, you have a lot, there's a whole sort of sub-phenomena within that area of research. These stories are like military abductions, MILABs, you know, where people talk about the military abducting abductees. If that is going on, then you have to wonder, are they actually abducting them to try and figure out what's going on or are they actually creating these abduction events i mean it's hard to say well if you ask stephen greer he'll tell you every abduction is is the military everyone the ets don't abduct people because they're they're benevolent space brothers and they would have no reason to well you know i mean that's a perfect example of where you, you know you have a belief system that suggests that abductions are like, again, a domestic program. But what I would say is that when I've looked into these examples of using psychological warfare and disinformation to hide the truth of something behind a UFO smokescreen, most of the cases that have surfaced have been from sort of the late 40s through the 70s. It's almost as if it's been scaled down, you know, in the last couple of decades. Or perhaps we're just not finding the cases. But, you know, you look at things like... Roswell, Aztec, 
some of these psychological warfare programs, you know, the Orfeo Angelucci, things like that. They're all old cases. So I do think there's more of a likelihood that a lot more of this went on in the early years when they were trying to figure out how the UFO subject could be manipulated and that maybe now that they've realized how it can be done, they don't need to do the tests anymore. You know, they don't need to run the experiments because they've got it down to a fine art. You know, they just use it now when they need to. Or maybe what they're doing now is the goal of what all that experimentation was meant to help them create. You know, I mean, the real conspiratorial angle of all this is the idea of, you know, a faked alien invasion to take away even more of our rights and sort of usher in a new world order where one day we wake up and there's all these strange craft in the skies and it's an alien invasion, but it actually isn't. You know, it, it's big and burly military personnel flying them, but we don't get to see them. You know, that's... Grand Project Bluebeam. Like <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's at the real far end of the sort of paranoid UFO conspiracy scenarios the idea that all of this kind of ufo encounters it's all fabricated and it's all a build-up across decades to the day when it finally through the enslavement of the human race occurs as a result of a fake alien invasion i mean could it happen well you know false flags in the past whether or not a worldwide false flag to enslave the human race via a faked alien invasion, whether that could actually be successfully achieved, I think that's very unlikely. But there may be people who actually think that, yeah, that could be achieved, you know. Carol Rosen, who was the last, I think, yeah. executive mm-hmm. assistant to Werner von Braun uh, before his death, uh, she claims that von Braun told her that there would be a series of kind of straw men or uh, subjects to galvanize the American public. The first, of course, would be fascism. The second, communism. The third would be terrorism. And the fourth would be an alien invasion. Yeah, It's not out of we the realm of, of possibility. Yeah, there's this tendency to think that if someone's going to do that, they're going to do it overnight. But maybe... If, it, if there is some truth to it, that it would be a dedicated group of powerful figures might say, well, OK, we're not going to do it overnight. We may not even be able to achieve it in 20 years. But across 50, 60 years, we can convince the world that UFOs are real. And then after the 80th year, we can play the card, you know, the ace card and, and reel out from some military base, some secret place, you know, the UFOs. Maybe you wouldn't even need a lot. Just strategically place them over sort of major cities, uh, one or two, you don't even have to have a display of destroying a city because the people pulling the strings could just say, okay, martial law right now, it's a major worldwide emergency. You know, as long as those things are hovering in the sky, your rights could be gone. And it's not like, you know, they've got to, like I said, have some huge Independence Day style attack. It's just the fact that things are there in the sky which would be easy to achieve, would be the goal and just let the whole thing just work, run itself, really. Are as many people interested in UFOs today as there were 20, 30, 40 years ago? No, but if every city had one of the major city had one or two of these things hovering in the sky, everybody would notice. And if a government spokesman goes on TV and says, this is happening across London, Moscow, Peking, New York, D.C., they're not ours and they're not the Russians and we don't know what's going to happen so as a precaution there's going to be a curfew there's going to be uh, martial law etc uh, etc et and it's all done just by these things hanging in the sky no buildings destroyed nothing it's just 
this is what we've got to do because they're there, you know. So. Yeah. Childhood's End, uh, the Arthur C. Clarke novels. Well, I haven't read that, but um, I guess... Uh, yeah, but it was the real thing in the, in the book. They were real aliens. And the reason why they didn't come out for a whole generation was because they looked just like giant devils. <laughs> they didn't oh, want to freak. <laughs> they didn't want to come out and freak everybody out immediately. <laughs> it's actually a very good book. I've got some questions here for you, Nick, off the uh, forum, where um, our listeners can post questions for our, our wonderful guests that we have. And Nick, boy, this question—it is amazing. I had no idea. We had so many aircraft accidents in the month of, of July in 1947. But William Strathman, it's amazing. There's got to be uh, well over 100 accidents that occurred uh, with the Army Air Force uh, just in the month of January, uh, July 1947. Uh, well over 100 um, happened. Uh, every day there's at least five or six, it looks like here, uh, four or five at least. He says, Nick, the following is a list of uh, United States Army Air Force aviation accidents just for the month of July 1947. Let's continue that question in our next segment because we're just about out of time. And then we'll get more focused on it. Oh, boy. Gene and Chris and Nick, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. The answer to being in control of your own health care is freedom from insurance. Become part of a group of self-pay patients that come together to share in each other's medical expenses. Individual share amounts begin at $107 a month and $347 for families. Choose from three health sharing programs. Holistic treatments may be eligible for sharing. See guidelines. Discount programs available for dental, vision, and pharmacy. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Are you drowning in debt? Are you struggling to make minimum payments? If this sounds like you, know that it's not your fault. Credit card debt happens to good people. We've helped thousands of good people just like you become debt-free with our Debt Reset Program. Our Debt Reset Program is customized to get you debt-free in as little as 24 to 48 months with one low monthly payment. You don't pay a dime until we succeed. Call now to see how we can work for you. 800-912-6177. That's 800-912-6177. Again, 800-912-6177. Attention business owners and independent contractors. This is a money-saving message from Tax Mediation Services. If your business owes $20,000 or more in taxes, we can help you today, right now. Listen, dealing with the IRS is no picnic. It's an intimidating and extremely stressful process, and you don't want to go it alone. Our attorneys know every law, every tax break, and every possible opportunity to help you resolve and reduce your tax debt. And if you owe more than $20,000, you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-765-9681 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-765-9681. Again, that's 800-765-9681. 
We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. $99 for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So the second part of that question, Chris, from our forum at forum.theparacast.com in the question bank, talking about a large number of aircraft accidents. I'm absolutely amazed, actually, looking at this huge list that goes on and on and on. And, of course, they're, they're from all over the world, but mostly in the United States. And what he, what he says is, uh, sorry, sorry that the list is so long, but every day there's some kind of aviation accident. On most days, there's, there's more, more than one. And this doesn't even include naval aviation either. <laughs> so the point is, instead of trying to hide a top-secret aviation accident um, as a flying saucer crash, which would presumably generate all the more interest— why wouldn't the military authorities just say the test vehicle was some known aircraft that crashed, like a B-29 or a B-26 or a C-54 with passengers, etc.? And he, he notes that in this list of accidents, an XF-12, a very high-performance four-engine recon aircraft, is, is listed. And so if you look at this list, it's just it's jaw-dropping how many accidents we had. Boy, we must have had a lot of rookie pilots in the Army Air Force. <laughs> in the summer of 47 because there's well over 100 here there's got to be it's amazing well yeah i mean the whole issue of you know revealing what happened at roswell back in 47 in the press still kind of confuses a lot of people even the air force in their report they admitted they could not find an answer as to why a statement was put out that a flying disc came down now what we know for sure is that the first statement was 
that it was a flying disc. Now, one of the things a lot of people forget is that this was only two weeks, just two weeks barely, after the Kenneth Arnold sighting. Flying saucer, flying disc or UFO back then didn't mean what it does for us after 70 years of UFO encounters. This was just two weeks after the Arnold sighting. There was no consensus on what flying saucers were. You know, I mean, you put yourself in the mindset of somebody in 47, and you think back just two weeks ago, and that was the very first mention ever of flying discs, and there was no history of it. We, our views on UFOs or flying discs would have been very different back then because there was no history, no books, no magazines, no TV shows, no movies, nothing. So saying it was a flying disc back then isn't the same way as saying it was an alien spacecraft because, as I said, two weeks, the whole scenario of what they are hadn't sunk in or what they weren't. So nobody knew. I mean, if all people knew, flying discs back then were made of balloon-type wreckage. Nobody could say otherwise because there was only two weeks' worth of sightings. In other words, we have to sort of try and forget, not forget, but realize that, as I said, that flying discs back then implied something that had only been around for two weeks, we don't know what it is, versus what it is today after 70 years. So that's an important angle. Now, one of the other angles is the fact that we know that the rancher, Matt Brazel, got to the wreckage before the military and started talking about having found this weird stuff and showing it to his neighbours on the neighbouring ranches, taking it into town. You have to remember, the only reason that the military was out there was because they were told that Brazil had found it on his ranch. You know, they were scrambling around trying to find where this thing had come down because, by all accounts, it was a night flight when it went wrong. And so, in other words... The Air Force was essentially forced to say something because the civilians were on the site before the military. Now, had the military got there first, I, I agree with the, the person who asked the question. There would be no need to create cover stories or even mention it because they would have cleaned the site up. The fact that the civilian population in Lincoln County, and particularly the rancher and his family, got there first meant that the cat was already out of the bag before the military got there. Right. So then they had to come up with an explanation. And I think kind of building it up as a flying disc and then the next day dropping it down as a weather balloon was kind of like, no pun intended, it was just like deflating the whole thing. And I think that was done <laughs> deliberately. You know, build it up, people are full of anticipation, and then, well, it was just a weather balloon, and people move on. I think there was that aspect to it as well. Well, yeah. the fact, though, that the Roswell case basically stood dormant after that until people like Stanton and Friedman and William Moore started yeah, poking it around. It worked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that works really well. You know that angle. On the one hand, if, if something happens and it disappoints you, well, you're just disappointed. But if it's really built up to be something huge, you end up even more disappointed. You know, and that's a good psychological tactic. Don't just say it was a weather balloon to start with. Let's really, let's really amp it up. You know, let's amp up the intrigue. Everybody's, you know, sort of um, clenching the fingers, wondering what a flying disc is. And when it turns out to be a weather balloon, everybody it really is depressed. And, oh, well, you know, we've been huddled in front of the TV, waiting and waiting, and now we've got this. You know, so in other words, the the depressed kind of 
angle of the, of the mindset of the person, you know, is sort of affected even more when when it's elevated and then it drops. So, you know, that's a sort of little psychological tool that works really well, you know. Um, and, and people did move on. You know, Frank Edwards actually mentioned Roswell in one of his books, but it was sort of a little one paragraph or thereabouts uh, section, and he got a lot of it wrong, but that wasn't his fault. But, yeah, you're right, until late 70s when Moore and Friedman got involved, there really wasn't much uh, going on after the initial announcement that, sorry, guys, it was just a weather balloon. Nothing really went on at all. Let's look at the conspiratorial side of that, though. So Friedman just happens to hear about this when he's doing a UFO presentation, I think, at a TV station or a lecture. I forget the location, but that, that was broad. I think it was Louisiana. Actually. Yeah, it was Louisiana. Was it? Okay. Yeah. So he, basically the point being here, he's doing one of his UFO presentations, and he's approached by somebody with this information that leads him to the Roswell investigation. Was it an accident or deliberate? Well, I think I think it was just down to just, you know, the fate of being in the right place at the right time. But what I do think is that whatever the scenario of Roswell really is, I think that when Friedman and Moore got onto it, that's when, you know, one of these disinformation programs really kicked into, um, you know, it kicked in big time. And I think maybe, you know, Roswell had been left to sort of, you know, just rot, so to speak, purely and simply because it had been hidden, hidden for so long that those hiding it were confident that nothing was ever going to come out because everybody had forgotten about it, you know, and uh, it was just gone and lost and forgotten. And when Stan Friedman and Bill Moore started looking into it, the people hiding this were like, oh, no, there's a good chance, you know, this is going to come out now, or at least parts of the story, portions are going to come out. And so I think that may well have been sort of the, you know, the alarm bell going off that set off the idea of perhaps planting false witnesses, you know, creating false rumours, ultimately false documents, right. uh, to try and keep people anywhere possible away from the human angle and just keep spreading extraterrestrial UFO stories and it'll all be okay. And, and maybe they're even confident or fairly confident that if all the documentation is stored into some bunker 50 feet underground that the hard evidence can't be found. But, you know, there are indications that some other agencies may have also had their own files on these events, so it might not be that clear-cut. But um, I, th- I think definitely from the late 70s onwards, sort of counterintelligence operation was put in place to try and diffuse people from getting close to whatever it was that really happened. Right, and then ultimately it, it, it resulted uh, in the, um, the sending of the uh, so-called MJ-12 documents to... Uh, to uh, Chandra and, and Moore, uh, and of yeah. course Moore, Moore being a pivotal uh, figure uh, in the um, initial Roswell book and investigation and ultimately admitting that he was part of a disinformation program with uh, Air Force Intelligence. So uh, there's, there's too many smoking guns and too many, uh, <laughs> too many coincidences for my, my taste for the government not to be involved in some form of, of uh, bait and switch or disinformation. We're going to switch uh, to another segment of the show. With Nick Redfern and Gene Steinberg and Chris O'Brien, you're in The Paracast. Thank 
Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails t-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of t-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. If you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. Be prepared for the next disaster with the Shelter Pod. The Shelter Pod is a large, all-season, heavy-duty, quick-deploy shelter. The Shelter Pod system can be set up in 30 seconds and includes an emergency medical kit, water filter, survival tools, and more. Are you prepared to take care of your family? Do you have everything in one place ready to go? Get it now or enter to win a complete Shelter Pod system at shelterpod.com. The Shelter Pod at shelterpod.com. Shelter when you need it most. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. Looking for that edge during those intimate moments? We see many ads for enhancement, but the side effects include death. At GCN Team, we should change the Healthy Body Brain and Heart Pack to the Healthy Libido Pack. The brain and heart are not the only organs that require a healthy vascular system. For proper blood flow at the right moment, go to GCNTeam.com or call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. 
Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid mobile survival bug out house that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement? You bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. I can just see William Moore writing up MJ-12. Do you think Moore did it? No. No, I, I don't. People, a lot of people do. I, I actually don't at all. No. I don't think that the MJ-12 documents are genuine, but I do think somebody was deeply concerned about the fact that Bill Moore really had dug deep into Roswell, you know, in the early 80s. I mean, he was looking for all sorts of leads and sources and wit elderly witnesses. And I think somebody was concerned and was trying to, you know, push him down another avenue, which, you know, arguably did happen with people like Bill Moore and, and Stan Friedman, that they did focus a great deal of their time on those documents. And maybe that was the, the point all along. I can easily see when in 47, in July 47, the whole thing was, sorry, it was just a weather balloon. I can easily see how from 47 to about 77, there probably wasn't even any kind of campaign to hide this because it was just hidden away. There was no need to create programs at least to diffuse people away from Roswell because no one was talking about Roswell. But then all of a sudden, in the late 70s and early 80s, within ufology, everybody's talking about Roswell. It becomes somebody's major nightmare. So they have to try and do something about it. And I think, like I said, spreading false witnesses, grooming fake witnesses, pushing people down the fake document angle where time's taken up going to archives and trying to find similar documents or regardless of what you think of the MJ-12 investigations, there's no doubt that people like Stan spent an incredible amount of time researching those documents. Could that have been a, that time applied to investigating Roswell the case? Yes, it could. And maybe that was the agenda that these people had was to let's just get these people tied up, spending hours and weeks and months at archives and studying the signatures on the MJ-12 documents. You know, the witnesses who could actually tell something are getting older and older and closer to the grave and, you know, keeping these people away a bit longer and pushing them down another avenue. Hopefully, from their perspective, again, it would keep people away from the case itself and actually have them following the sort of spin-off aspects of it, which had no truth to them. And I'm looking at here these MJ-12 documents, the fact that there were so many different types of documents of a similar vein. And they're placed there for people like the Woods to look into, placed there when Stanton Friedman is judiciously looking through all these documents. That's pretty crazy when you think about it. To me, this strongly points in the direction of an ongoing campaign to keep people away from getting to the heart of Roswell, whatever it is. And I think it's an ongoing thing. It's of such importance for whatever reason that it can ne the truth can never be let out. Now, a pro-UFO person would say, well, the information could never get out. 
because it will prove that UFOs exist, the government's lied, etc., etc. We're not alone in the universe. It'll be a major story, and they don't want to reveal it. On the other hand, if it was a secret experiment, the truth could arguably still be seen as we can never release it because of the ramifications of the abuses that went on in these experiments. So whatever the truth is, somebody wants this hidden for either the alien technology angle or the embarrassment angle of releasing, you know, this dark story. So whether or not we'll ever get the truth or whether it's a case that, you know, this program will continue until everybody involved is dead, you know, and then they'll breathe a collective sigh of relief or whatever and, uh, and say, okay, now there's no chance of anybody getting anything. Aren't we pretty close to that now, though? Well, yeah. Like I said, the one bit of light at the end of the tunnel is the fact that although most of the people I spoke to said that for fear of being hauled before a, you know, a committee or whatever and jailed, that they did try and destroy the entire trail of what went on. Documents, the balloon, wreckage, files, everything. But also, there's still a lot of these stories where people claim to have read some of these files years later, not the original Roswell files, but ones that other agencies had put together, but where they were trying to figure out what had happened. And that kind of seems like the case with Keith Basterfield's source, who I talk about in the book, whose father worked for MI5. And MI5, apparently, had been trying to figure out what had gone on at Roswell as well and had, got, had their own sources. So there is a chance, and I think a good chance, that certain agencies, even if they don't have the original files, they have records that do tell the, the real story. And it only needs one archivist to make a mistake, you know, and something gets put in the wrong folder, something gets declassified, even if it's just one page, which seemingly looks innocuous, but there's a you know, a paragraph in there that is, contains a smoking gun. I mean, it's kind of like what you, which you may know of, the, the so-called Ramey memo, which is in this photograph of General Ramey overseeing, you know, this pile of wreckage at Fort Worth, which they claim was what was actually found at Roswell. And General Ramey's holding this piece of paper in his hand, and when it's been blown up and studied, a number of researchers like David Rudiak have suggested that the words victims of the wreck can be seen. Now, whether or not that is what the actual wordings are, the important thing is something like that, something so unconventional and unforeseen and unplanned for, something like that could happen, I think, that could blow the whole thing wide open. Do you think yeah, it's going to happen in our lifetime, though? Well, as long as we keep pushing and we're not driven by emotion to the point where we avoid looking into certain angles because we don't want the Roswell case to be upset. Yeah, I think the problem is most people who've investigated Roswell have done so from the perspective of trying to and expecting to find an alien answer. If you go into it totally unbiased with no preconceived I want to believe scenario in your mind and just go where the evidence leads, even if it kind of makes you think, wow, you know, all this research into UFOs was pointless. Just keep looking for it. I mean, that, that's all we can do. We can keep pushing and pushing and pushing. It's like they say, if you put your mind to it, you can do anything, and you can. And maybe the unforeseen thing, like the memo, you know, the victims of the wreck, I think that's how it might come out, that somebody will be digging and digging. The people on the inside will be thinking, we've got it all nailed down. 
and then just something, just some little thing brings the entire house down. And I wonder what kind of coverage this would get after so many years. Oh, well, I actually think the idea that the UFO community was wrong, what you would get to start with, the one angle would be, you know, the bit the media would be sort of poking fun at ufology and saying, oh, after all these years, you know, ufology was wrong and all these people have wasted their lives. There would be that angle. But then when the penny dropped, and if the story's true, and, you know, the major news outlets realized that there were these terrible sort of crimes against humanity in the name of furthering early rocketry and, you know, high-altitude flights and things like this, then it would be something along the lines of the Tunguski experiment. You know, as I said earlier on, the President Clinton committee that was set up in the early 90s to look at these abuses where people are being used in radiation experiments from the 40s onwards. It would be something like that. It would become like an investigative, journalistic study of, you know, a dark period in the immediate post-war era. Nick Redfern, where can we find more of your stuff? Well, all the books, including the new one, you can get on Amazon, some of them in Barnes & Noble, and people can reach me at my blog, which is called World of Whatever, and the address is Nick Redfern Fortean, F-O-R-T-E-A-N, Nick Redfern Fortean dot blogspot dot com, or Nick Redfern UFO at Twitter, or just look me up on Facebook. There's a bunch of Nick Redferns, but you'll, you'll see me on there. Oh, yeah, he's unmistakable. You'll never miss this one. <laughs> We're found on Twitter as the Paracast. We have Paracast fan clubs on Facebook. We have the Paracast Plus. Go to plus.theparacast.com. We feature the commercial-free version of this show to subscribers, the After the Paracast podcast, which this week includes Monty Shriver, someone who lived in Aztec, New Mexico, when that crash allegedly occurred. And he says, no, it didn't. You'll hear the exclusive interview on After the Paracast. You can subscribe for as little as $1.49 a week. We offer free books for long-term subscribers. Plus.theparacast.com. P-L-U-S dot theparacast.com. Another exciting journey with Nick Redfern. Thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Oh, well, thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>